Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, your host. I started this podcast because I believe when we share our thoughts, our stories, and experiences, we help one another to create more meaningful lives. And I also think that an important part of life revolves around our search for meaningful connection. That seems to only happen when we get real about who we are and we authentically share that. So listen in, try to answer these questions yourself, and let's connect. I am about to introduce you to a smart and savvy businesswoman. Debbie Getz is a media relations, communications, and public relations consultant. We talk about a lot in this episode, but I do want to throw it out there that we have a serious discussion about Alzheimer's and end-of-life issues. So if that's upsetting to you, please consider this a trigger warning. I'll add that we talk about some other things, including legs and eggs. I'll let you listen to discover what I'm talking about. Here we go. There. So today, I get to talk to Debbie Getz. I've known Debbie for a number of years in my day job, my role with the Chamber of Commerce. Um, Debbie is a public relations media relations and communications consultant. And actually the thing that I've always known about Debbie is if you want to get noticed, if you want to get seen, if you want to get your story told, you go to Debbie, you, you, you go to Debbie Getz. And that is really what I've always known about you. And then I've also known Debbie that you have three kids and one of them just recently got married. <laughs> remarried <laughs> oh that's right yes Can yeah you we explain had the micro, why she got remarried yeah because we had the micro wedding in september of 2020 really teeny tiny immediate family on their original wedding date and then the <clears throat> big celebration was postponed till i'm sorry it was september of 2020 and the big celebration was postponed to october of 2021 so we were able to gather, regather, and gather with all of the friends and family that we were not able to have join us for the micro wedding in 2020. And it, and I mean, October was perfect timing because we did require our guests to be vaccinated. And, you know, it was right before things started turning upside down. If, if it was any later than that, we probably would have been in trouble. Yeah, right. It was that little window. We have a vaccination yeah. and it's not this Omicron or whatever hasn't reared its, its head. Right. It was um, prior to that. Yeah. So speaking of the pandemic, you know, how did it treat you? What was, what, how, did it, yeah. <laughs> how did it treat me? Well, um, thankfully, and I'm knocking on wood from Amish country. Um, thankfully, We've stayed as, you know, pretty healthy. It, it has not affected um, our immediate family. 
um, though we know a lot of people, you know, who have been affected in various to various degrees. But, um, you know, it just kind of like guides your life now, you know, which was yeah. is kind of, is really frustrating. So we're certainly in a better place than we were in 2020 because we have more knowledge and more information behind us. So we're not freaking out every time we go to the grocery store. And but excuse me, we're back in that mode now where I mean, I've been masking up again now for months. And, um, you know, at this point in time, so I actually am having my hip replaced on Tuesday. Oh, my God. And so I'm back in like hyper COVID focus for the past couple of weeks because I'm trying to stay healthy so that Tuesday doesn't get postponed. So, for example, we share season tickets to the Sixers with a group of people and we had a game Friday night and I said to my husband, yeah not going there to the Wells Fargo right. Center with 30,000 half-masked people. So, you know, when I say it's kind of running our lives, like it's kind of dictating, what, you know, what we can and can't do, not just, not just medical, like in medical and health ways, but just like in terms of social ways, you know, I sent out a holiday card and I got a couple of text messages. I sent out a New Year's card. And I got a text message yesterday from a friend in the neighborhood. I haven't seen them in a while. And I, and, you know, they said, we loved your card. And I said, I miss you guys. You know, when things settle down, you know, I'd love to get together. And, you know, in the back of your mind, you're going, if things settle down, you know, and I think we just have to find some kind of balance where we can either pick up where we left off in 2020 or, or, um, Refo, you know, rebalance or something, you know, because yeah. we can't stay locked up forever and you can't spend your whole life being afraid to get this illness, you know? Right. right. I, mean, I don't I want to get it, but right. I want to live my life too. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because you're balancing your, your own health and wellness. You're balancing the health and wellness of, you know, the people you love and your community. Um, it's, challenging what about the pandemic has been good has there been anything from it that you're saying you know what actually I'm going to stick with this or this happened that I want to continue I know early on it kind of forced us to connect with people in different ways Mm -hmm. so um a lot of family zooms yeah, you know, and friend yes. connection zooms, and we haven't been doing them as religious, you know, like as as much as we did back in 2020. Um, but I think we've all had to work harder to stay connected to people, and I think we've we've all probably seen in one way or another how important it is to stay connected yeah. with people and to find other ways to stay connected. So I think it's heightened our awareness of personal connection because it can be very, I mean, you work in an office and when you guys are not remote, um, which you're not, are you remote now? We're not. And the main reason we haven't been remote for a while because we each have our own office. Right. So we're very, yeah. So I've been remote for the past 11 years, you know, the whole time I've owned my business, it's remote. So, um, you know, finding ways to connect and looking for opportunities to stay connected. 
um, you know, I think we all need to stick with that, you know, no, whether it's so in person or not in person, um, personal connections, because it's, it's, um, it's very lonely and it's very isolating. And like you said, we have loved ones that we have to watch out for. We have, um, we lost my father-in-law a year ago, but prior to, you know, in, in 2020, we were caring for my 91-year-old father-in-law and my 90-year-old mother-in-law. Now it's just my mother-in-law. And um, she just got, um, she was just, she had her hair appointment canceled and they didn't say her stylist had COVID. They just said she's sick. And um, so I don't want to, you know, normally she's here like almost every week and she sleeps over and, you know, and, and, you know, I don't want her here until after my surgery, you know, because right. we don't know she had been to the stylist, you know, the week before. So she yeah. could potentially have been exposed. And that's so, right. you know, she's by herself now because nobody wants to be around her. I'm no, sorry. Hard. No, it's hard. And yeah. she doesn't want to be around anybody. You know, we've got little ones, you know, she's got great grandchildren. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind yeah. of... Um, and that connection, I think you're right. It, it was kind of illustrated how important connection was. When I asked uh, Bill Aronson to, um, he, he wrote the music for this podcast and he's, he's just a really talented guy. And he wrote the word connections. He sang the word connections. And I said, Bill, you know, why did you include a word? It was before I even had a name for the podcast. And he said, because this is another way that we can connect. Yep. And I think that's why I asked the questions I asked, because we get, you know, you can't really connect unless you're authentic. You've always been a very authentic person. Thank you. Um, you know, but if you're that speaking, gotcha. you know, you know, thank you. If you're having small talk all the time, it's not really, it doesn't feel like a meaningful connection. And I right. think you're right. I think this whole pandemic has illustrated its importance. Um, Debbie, as Amanda. my public, <laughs> Debbie. Debbie gets. <laughs> Tell me why public relations, why media relations? How did you get into that field? What about it excites you? So I'll start with your last question. Um, and you know this from knowing me for a long time. You know that I like to make a difference and I like to work with people and organizations and businesses that are trying to make a difference, whether it's trying to make the world a better place or make things better for other people in the business world, in the social world, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I always joke that my, my tombstone will say, she didn't have a lot, but she gave a lot, you know? And um, that's kind of, that's how you size me up. Like, I'm just a giver. And um, so I started in this business. So I have a master's in finance. And when I grew up, I wanted to be a stockbroker. And when I graduated from college with my shiny master, with my shiny bachelor's in finance, starting salaries, and I, I was in New York, shiny um, starting salaries were just really pitiful and not enough to live on. And so I took a job working for a, a dental manufacturer and I worked in financial operations and it was a small startup. So we all did everything. I traveled to trade shows all over the country and um, uh, hablo español. So I got to travel to um, the shows in Florida because a lot of 
South American dentists would come there. I speak French, je parle français. So I got to travel to Canada, to Montreal, because there's a lot of French speaking, you know, obviously in, in parts of Canada. So um, I traveled a lot when I was young and single. And then I got married and I moved to, to Bucks County and I had my oldest daughter uh, in 1993. And um, when she was little, I worked like part-time jobs just to you know, make some ad money. And then my twins came along five years later. And um, again, working, I worked in, I worked for a public adjuster. I worked for a state farm agent. I worked for a benefits consultant, a lot of things insurance related, but you needed, you know, like it was good to have that finance and math head. And then um, I started working for Deb Reese, who owns yours, mine and ours. And um, she's a virtual assistant. I had a friend that said, you know, everybody comes to you, you're a connector and everybody comes to you whenever they need something, you should work for like a concierge service. So she was right. And I, I worked for Deb for a while, I joined the chamber. And I was helping her expand her business, which was like virtual assistant. Um, in like central bucks and a lot of what i was doing was marketing and um like publicity like speaking engagements and stuff like that for business to business service providers attorneys and psychologists and things like that and a couple of um i joined a little local group called the greater jamison business association which is no longer around but i don't know you remember that and um through that, I met a lot of people that were active in my community here in Jamison, where I live, and a situation arose, which I'm sure you remember, where um, a local sports bar decided one day to start serving legs and eggs, as in topless bar. And oh, the community, I don't think I do remember that. You don't remember that? Okay. No. So, um, I miss all I, the good stuff. <laughs> I'm surprised because I was a chamber member at the time, just with yours, know. mine, and ours. Yeah. So I store. Um, so they asked me to get involved and get the media involved in this campaign to, to either get them to stop serving legs and eggs, or to you know, not have this business in our community. And I mean, I'm sure you've driven through Jamison at some point in time. It's a little bedroom, sleepy bedroom community. We have three elementary schools and um, three or four churches and daycares and you know a couple of stoplights. We have a Wawa now, that's big news since then. But anyway, it just isn't the place. And I am no prude by any stretch of the imagination, but it just didn't belong here. So I um, put all my con you know, contacts together and, and um, we had a public forum at a commissioner's meeting and um, every media outlet came and I started building my connections through that and we actually side note, drove them out of town. They sold the business to Joe Wade, who has now like expanded his footprint all over the place. Yes. He, he owns, um, is it called the Freight House? The one by the Doylestown train station? Mm -hmm. He owns that one. He owns one in, I think, Wycombe. Um, he's really expanded his, his entrepreneurial and his restaurant yes. footprint throughout um, the, re, you know, the area. So um, that was a big plus. And I, and I made a lot of connections that way in the media. And then there was another incident where there was um, bus routes that were taken away from kids at Gaiman. Was it Gaiman? I think it, whichever elementary school is um, 
like near Burnhouse Hill Road, and they were taking away bus routes for elementary school kids, and that's a really dangerous road to walk on. Like, you don't even want to ride your bike on that road. And so the parents staged a drive-in where they drove, everybody drove their kids to school on a Monday, and they wanted to show the school what it was going to be like. And all the media, you know, all the news outlets came out for that as well. And so I started to really think, hey, you know, maybe this is my path, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was friendly with some journalists at the time, and I was part of a women's networking group. And I started to think, well, maybe I'll go work for Gina Rubel, who owns Fury Rubel, you know, Gina well. Um, and Gina has been a wonderful mentor to me um, in all these years. And I talked to Gina and I talked to Maria Evans. I know you know Maria and um, a bunch of other PR people and said, hey, can I come work with you? And they're like, you got it going on. You just go do this. And so they kind of pushed me off the cliff, you know, because yeah. I fear was, a, you know, I, I sometimes let fear get in the way. Oh, don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> don't so we all? I put on my big, girl, I put on my yeah. big girl underpants and I started my own business. I love that women helping women. I love that the mm -hmm. women leaders like Gina and like Maria, you know, bolstered your confidence and said, you know, you can do this. Um, it is brave. Entrepreneurs are a brave bunch because yes. you're betting on yourself. Yes. And it's a good way to that, think of it. You're betting yeah. on yourself. Where do you think you get the confidence to, to do that? to I'm not sure <laughs> that's yeah. that's hard for me that's that's yeah. you know that's um because I have not always been a very confident person and you so, come from entrepreneurs mm -mm. my mom was a nurse an RN and my dad was a scientist okay. so um my yeah. grandfather owned a dry cleaning business but I wouldn't necessarily and my and my other grandparents owned an electrical like an electrical store. Um, so I guess you could say, you know, they were entrepreneurs, but mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial spirit was not woven through my life as a, as a child or a young adult. It wasn't like that at all. You know, a work ethic, yes, but not that entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, my parents were immensely proud when I started my business. I, I had them in my, um, in my constant contact to get my newsletters when I was sending out a monthly oh. newsletter and they were just so excited, you know, That's because awesome. I think it wasn't really a part of their, um, you know, their world. And to see me do that was, you know, a big deal to them. So That's really cool. What was, can you tell me like a little bit about your childhood? What was it like? Did you grow up? Oh, you grew up in Long Island. I grew up in Long Island, Long Island. <laughs> um, and I think I told you exit 44 for anybody who knows the island. Um, yeah, I grew up in Plainview. I was born in Brooklyn and we moved when we moved to Long Island when I was three. I have an older brother. He's three years older and he lives with his wife in Florida. And um, I grew up in Plainview and um, went to, you know, elementary, middle school, high school there. And um, I did intramural sports. I was not really a, an athlete. I think my best gift was swimming, but I was more the, the person rooting. Like I was the team manager for the boys' soccer team. And, um, you know, I tried a little bit of 
ballet, not exactly really skillful. At it. I always, every time the Olympics are on, the, the Summer Olympics, and they show like Simone Biles or the gymnasts, yeah. I remind my family that in sixth grade, I could do that on the, on the, on the wow. um, parallel, uneven parallel bars, you know, for like an hour. I was That's able awesome. to do some spins and thingies on the uneven parallel, yeah. and they're just like rolling their eyes at me, but I'm like, I swear I really could. And I was really good on the trampoline too. Um, but anyway, we had a trampoline. We had, they should have that in the Olympics. And we had yeah. cats growing up. So that's why I am a crazy cat lady now. I grew yeah. up with cats. And my mother was an avid gardener. And I get my, my interest in gardening from her. Um, and I went to college at um, a state university of New York at Albany. It's called the University at Albany now. And um, it was pretty cold and snowy up there. But it wasn't too far from home. I could take the train or get a ride. And um, I was a bit of a home. I was a bit of a home buddy. Like I was the kid who didn't go on the sixth grade trip because she couldn't be away from her mom. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. I, I did go on the sixth grade trip probably because my mom was a chaperone. <laughs> well, it was to Washington, D.C. It was like, uh, you know, yeah. you're yes. staying away from was, not a day oh, trip. I did day trips right. fine. Not right. the overnight. It was the overnight thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what to you, Debbie, is like, what would be your dream day, a perfect day? Hmm. Well, it would certainly have my entire family together in one place with their significance, because that means more to me than anything. My son went to college at University of Minnesota. Um, he's a golden gopher, you know, Marge, and um, he stayed out there for the time being, and his girlfriend is working out there too. She's a TV news producer, and um, yeah, she does the morning news for the ABC affiliate in the Twin Cities, and he's a chemical engineer, and um, they hope to come back to the, you know, to come to the East Coast in a couple of years, maybe the DC area. And, um, but anyway, to your question, having everybody together, we don't really have to go anywhere, like just having everybody together. But um, I'm trying to think, like a dream experience would be all of us going away on vacation together. Like we, we haven't had a family vacation since 2017 and we all went to Hawaii. And oh. It was wonderful and horrible all at the same time because my Happen. kids, well, my kids hadn't all been together in close oh, quarters yes. for that period of time and quite some time. So right, right. Hawaii is amazing. Yeah. Um, and putting your three kids together either in one bedroom or sharing in, you know, yeah. confined spaces, yeah. yikes. Um, but we had a great experience. And um, the following year, well, later that year, I lost my mom unexpectedly. And it was tough because my dad had Alzheimer's and um, they were living in their home. And, um, you know, till we got him situated and, and knew that he was, you know, cared for and such in his wow. house, it was a tough time. And so that following year, I, um, I took Rachel to Spain. I just said, mama needs a break. Mama needs to get away. And she wow. was doing an internship, a summer internship in Tel Aviv. And so we decided to go to Spain because she could easily get from Barcelona to Tel Aviv. And that's what we did. We spent like 10 days in Madrid and Malaga and Barcelona. 
And it was a wonderful experience. And at the time, pre-COVID, I had said to all of my kids, pick the place you want to go. So she picked that. And Josh wanted to go, of all places, he wanted to go to Belgium. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. Chocolate, French, I'm good. And Sarah wanted to go to something. She wanted to go somewhere Nordic. And so I thought, well, maybe we do one of those um, cruises where you get a little taste of everything. And, you know, now I don't know if I'll ever take a cruise again. And, um, you know, all these years have gone by and I really still want to honor that promise. I'm just not sure how that's going to happen, you know? Right. Right. So experience wise, I mean, it was a wonderful experience to have that time, just Rachel and me. And, um, (laughs) and we hashtagged it Rebi España. 2018 because it's Rachel Debbie it was Rebbe Espana 2018 so I mean I'd love to be able to do that again that would be yeah. like a, you know a dream but you know for all of us to go away somewhere we talked about Iceland and now Rachel's she's really talking about Italy so when when it's safe to travel again that would be have that an ideal time. experience and if they can bring their significance with them you know all the better but um oh that's so nice yeah. that's so, so you know I know you don't have to go into it, but I do know having your father have Alzheimer's was such a, a painful time. Yeah. Did you learn anything from that? Is there any takeaway um, that you could share from that hard experience? Yeah. Um, the hardest part of that experience, and I know I attended a, um, a health and family meeting mm-hmm. with um, mm-hmm. I won't name names, but there were some other right. chamber members and we all sat there together and talked about our experiences. And um, it was when my, I, th- I think my dad was still alive at the time. Um, you have to, I learned a lot in talking to my rabbi because we ended up, it was no longer, we had my dad living at home with 24 hour care. It started with like eight hour, then went to 12 then we went to 24 because it wasn't safe for him to be home by himself. And it got to the point where he was getting belligerent with the aides and locking them out and calling me and telling me they were trying to kill him and all the stuff. And I'd get calls from the neighbors that there was one day, and I'm telling you this because I want people to know that, you know, these things happen and, and be able to deal with them. He went across the street to a neighbor with a sign that said, help me. And my dad would sit down in his recliner and open his belt, you know, to loosen up and be more comfortable. And he must have had, I think his pants were just too big on him. Mm -hmm. And so he loosened up his belt. And, you know, anyway, I get a call from a neighbor saying, your dad is across the street in so-and-so's driveway. His pants are half down and he's got a sign that says, help me. Well, if that doesn't totally rip your heart out, make, you know, feel like somebody stomped it with a meat grinder. Like, oh my God. So that's when we knew we needed to, um, yeah. Um, so we, yes, we found yeah. a memory care. I flew down to Florida a lot. Even before my mom passed, I was back and forth to Florida many times a year. And we, I flew down to Florida and I went with my brother and my sister-in-law. We found a place that we liked for him. And we moved him into a memory care and um, it was not easy they told us not to tell him where he was going that day and that broke my heart and um he was very angry and didn't want anything to do with me also very difficult and 
I had. And so fast forward, we put him in a, in a memory care facility in Boca Raton because there was another one in Davie, which was closer to where my brother lived. And it wasn't finished yet. And they said, when this one's finished, we'll move your dad over. Well, that didn't go so well. When they finally finished it months and months and months, I mean, like almost a year after when it was supposed to be completed, um, they moved my dad there with a couple of other residents. And he hated it because everything was new and different. And his aide stayed with him. We ended up actually um, hiring a private aide for him. So he had a private aide and um, she was there during the day um, because he needed that. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're paying all this money to have somebody in, in, a, in a facility like that, but he really needed that one-on-one. -on -one. Um, yeah. And um, so my hardest, so after we moved him and he was so miserable, so unhappy, I had this lengthy conversation with my rabbi and he said, I know you and your family for a really long time. And I know that you have done and are doing what you know is the very best thing you possibly can for your dad. And you should not give that another thought. And it's hard not to give that a lot of other thoughts. And even today, even today, my dad passed away in 19 on his, on his, um, on his 90th birthday. Um, he just decided one day to stop eating. And it's funny, not funny, haha, but his mother did the same thing, but she was 98. She was in a nursing home. Wow. She just decided to stop eating. So my dad kind of, he, he, you know, he was like, check, please. I'm done. Yeah. And that's hard because my dad had aphasia. So you didn't know, um, he couldn't convey in speech. He lost his, his ability to really have, um, a solid conversation and be able to express himself in words. And so you didn't know how much he was aware of. You didn't know yeah. how alert he was on the inside. You only knew, you know, from his facial expressions, you know, what he was saying, you know, you could sense what he was feeling. And so that was the hardest thing was moving him to that memory care and then relocating him to the new one and, and second guessing whether that was the right decision. Yeah. Um, but we needed him to be closer to my brother because otherwise it was 45 minutes away and things were happening, you know, and, and yeah. he'd fall out of bed or there'd be an incident or he'd need this or that. And so even now, you know, it's what, 19, mm -hmm. 20, two and a half years later, that's the part that lingers for me. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter I, how many people tell me it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And really the only, the only way to right. keep him safe and cared for. Yeah. It yeah. still affects me. Of so course. Of course. I think people need to take from this story that if you know in your heart and your soul that you are doing what the experts say is the best mm -hmm. thing and what you in your heart feel is the best thing then you have to just keep that in mind you do all the time I, you have to somehow forgive yourself because yes. that, you know you you even though you're doing what is the harder thing to do and what is you're, you know you're doing it because of love you still have to find um and my cat is now 
Oh, that's okay. I was waiting for something. My, my, I have a cat that jumps on this ledge behind me at dinner time and taps the person sitting in this chair. And that oh, means that is... give me some of what you're eating. So hi, kitty. I'm surprised yeah, so... that hasn't already happened. We're, we have four cats. And at any given time, when I'm yeah. on a Zoom meeting, any tail might Go might on. go through exactly yeah. um but, but yeah forgiving yeah. yourself like giving your you know allowing that room for forgiveness yeah for forgiveness because it's and eventually what i hope is that you know those memories are supplanted with those you know that yeah. lifetime of memories that you yeah. have but i you know can't imagine and the night the thing about you sharing that though is it also lets other people know they're not alone no you know, there's somebody going through exactly that right now, you know, yeah. and it Feel is free to share my contact information or a link to my Facebook or whatever, if anybody wants to talk about it, because, know. you know, it's like anything else in life. If you haven't worn those shoes, it's not as, you know, when you come from a position of personal experience it's a lot different you can empathize with somebody you can yes. sympathize with somebody but you can't really empathize unless you've right. really been in that situation mm -hmm. yeah 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 and, and it's like that with anything you know when you you know if you've had infertility or you've lost a, yes. a child or whatever the case may be we can all say oh i i, I my heart breaks for you but it's different um when you've actually gone through that experience, when you've walked the walk. 100%. And I think that's why it's so important that we share not only the joys in life, but the harder things in life so that we, right. you know, there is something when we put on a happy face 100% of the time and expose the joy of every minute, it's, I think it's harder for people out there living their lives to, to think that there's this other life that everybody else is living that is just yeah and you know what perfect. something that i that i um that i learned from this too is i think my children learned a lot watching me navigate through this and there was one incident in particular where we were in florida and we were visiting my dad and we tried to take him out to lunch and we had a really hard time trying to get him in the car. And we had this whole thing planned. We used to go to this restaurant called Harvest, which they have one in Newtown and, and up in Montgomeryville. And they had this special table for us where, you know, we sat off to the side, it wasn't noisy and they took really good care of us. And we had it down to a system, get daddy his bread and his salad while the rest of us are having appetizers. And as long as my dad was eating something and was engaged in, you know, in that, then he wasn't like um, anxious to get up and leave because my dad was always looking at the door before we even all sat down, even before the Alzheimer's. So um, we were trying to get him in the car at the um, facility where he was living and his aide and another aide from the facility were trying to get him in the car and he would not get in the car. And he was just getting very upset and very belligerent. And so we kind of had to put the kibashi on that. And I mean, there were, we were all gathered, all my kids were there. And so um, I was in tears, right? And um, his aide went inside and I said, okay, we're gonna go to lunch because people are meeting us there. And um, we're gonna go to lunch and we'll come back and visit after lunch. And after dad has settled down and had his own lunch and whatever. And I sat in the parking lot outside Harvest and sobbed 
because my daughter was, one of my daughters was particularly upset about um, that we kept on trying to get him in the car because we thought once we got him in the car, it would be fine, you know, and, right. and I think she just felt that I had um, tried a little too hard to right. make it work. And so my husband sent everybody into the restaurant and I sat in the car and, and he explained to her, you don't understand. You are not living this every day like your mom is. And she's just trying to make a special day for your grandfather. And, you know, he really, like he explained things to her, but I sat in that car and I sobbed. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's a valuable lesson for my kids and my husband even to have watched yeah. me navigate that and navigate my mother being in hospice for two weeks like it was like groundhog day you know oh. um and yeah. hospice is a wonderful wonderful thing for the people who are dying it's a very difficult thing i'm going to be brutally honest hospice is not easy for the loved ones the surviving loved ones because in my mom's case we had to watch her die for two weeks yeah yeah. And the same thing oh. with my dad, you know, I basically sat in his room and watched him die and really hard, but, you know, lessons to be shared, you know, all around here. Yeah. Yeah. So I just um, filled with, I mean, it has um, great joy and it has great suffering and we're all going to experience both. Right. Yeah. There's no so way we, around it. Mm -hmm. So we just did last Sunday. Um, it was a year since my father-in-law passed and we had a family Zoom and we all um, gathered in his memory. My mother-in-law was here. <clears throat> Some of my kids were here and the rest of the kids and, and nieces, nephews, and my husband's other siblings were, you know, on Zoom. And some of the Zoomers had a picture of my father-in-law in their Zoom background. My niece had a picture of him holding her as a baby. My son had a picture of him when we first started doing all the, the Zooms in like early 2020. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law hadn't mastered Zoom on her tablet. So it was a picture of my father-in-law like this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and that was Josh's background that he chose. And then everybody went around and told poppy stories or dad stories or father-in-law stories. And it was wonderful. So yeah, finding, you know, taking time to find the joy or share those stories. And um, that's what gets you through. Like you said, you, yeah, you can't dwell on, on the stuff that you feel guilty about or that you feel sad about. You know, you have to extract those, those moments of joy. Yeah. 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 And my dad, um, I want to share one story because I know we're going to, how long do we have? I don't remember. Yeah. After this, I'm just going to ask you a few things about your favorite this, your favorite that. And then okay. we'll, do that. we'll wrap it up. So um, I'll help you. I'll tell you the best thing, like my favorite PR thing that I ever did. My dad was a very proud, decorated United States Army veteran. And I bought him a hat when I was in um, New Orleans. There's a World War II museum there. And I bought him a hat that said Purple Heart Veteran. He wore that hat every day. Very proud veteran. So when I had the chance to meet um, a 104-year-old United States Army veteran, 
a number of years ago. I guess I met him in um, like around 2010, no, 20, 2012. And his, the, the agency that was taking care of him asked me to get some publicity around his 104th birthday, which I did. The media loves that. They all came out to his house and there was a big banner. And, um, and I did some other publicity when he was a speaker for Veterans Day. But um, in 2016, his family asked me, they said, Bill wants to meet the president. And knowing me for as long as you know me, and you said this at the beginning, you know, I, if somebody asked, you know, if a 108 year old decorated war veteran asks me to meet the president, I will turn over every possible stone and granule of sand to make that happen. And it happened. And beautiful so that is like the best a photo of picture. president obama and this veteran and his children that escorted him yeah wow that was the best thing i have ever done um my proudest um moment and apart from my children of course my proudest moment my proudest professional moment and that was a project from the heart that was not like a client relationship that was just something that in my heart i knew i had to make happen and i i, I would i say to people hey LeBron met the president, probably met five presidents at this point. Oh, no, not that many, but LeBron's met a lot of presidents. And if LeBron's meeting the president, this guy needs to meet the president. Wow. And so I. Phenomenal. Yeah. I used all my like legislative clout, all my legislative connections, because in addition to building media connections over the years, I built legislative connections because when you want something done, I learned very quickly that. Um, it really helps to be connected with those kind of people as well. And it really helps Senator Good Casey's point. office. Senator Casey's office made this happen with me. That so is, thank you, again, Senator Casey. And, and Bill passed away the following month. And, that is a really beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. story. And I got to speak at his, um, his, his funeral and um, Senator Casey wrote a letter and wow. one of his staffers came and read it too. So anyway, that's my proudest moment. So cross that question off. Okay, perfect. Apart from having my three children and delivering nice. two of them without an epidural. Just saying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, you're talking to somebody with three C-sections. So I always feel like I missed, uh, I had two breaches. Two, uh -huh. two of them were breaches. Um, so yeah, I always feel like I, it was pretty easy for me. Here's what I'll tell you <laughs> about that. Them. It doesn't matter how they come out as yeah. long as they are. Like what I said to my OBGYN when I had the twins, I don't care how you get them out of me as long as they come out the same way. Yes, I don't want to heal in two places. <laughs> That's true. So but, it doesn't yeah. matter how they came out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, they did. And they were, you know, beautiful. they're wonderful. Um, so a few just random questions. Um, what inspires you? you? If you're having one of those days where you got to get moving, you don't feel like moving, what's a go-to? Hmm. Sometimes it's kitten videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can now get that. on Instagram, not only am I following like kitten videos, but now I'm following otters. And pandas they are cute. and zooborn. So if I um, but that's not what you're looking for, but like you know, um when I need when I need a little lift, 
there's yeah. this wonderful site called Zooborns, where zoos all over the oh. world showcase their newborns. Um, yeah. So when I need a lift, I go to places like that. Um, I read a lot. I subscribe to, um, I, I'll read about goodness. So um, the Washington Post, I get e and, like email digest from them. They have something called The Optimist or um, The Inquirer has like, I think it's called um, The Upside. Oh, nice. I read stories about other people doing good and um, that, you know, because that resonates with me deep in my soul. Now, you said you read a lot. Do you have a book that's either a favorite or impactful or just a book you're reading right now that is interesting? I am reading the Paris Library, the Paris Library or the Paris Librarian. It's a World War II story. Oh, okay. Um, I'm reading that. Um, I, I have a whole bookcase <laughs> yes. of books because my mother-in-law and my sisters-in-law and I kind of share my cousins. Um, I just got a new, um, book, um, whatever Brene Brown's newest book is something oh, okay. with an atlas in it, I think, because I attended the PA conference for women and she was one of the speakers. And, um, do you know who Laverne Cox is? I do. Mm -hmm. She was one of the speakers. Oh, how cool. She's just pure joy. Pure joy. That's really cool. Yeah, to see somebody like that inspires me. Somebody like Laverne, who, for those who don't know her, she's um, a trans woman. She starred, she was one of the stars in Orange is the New Black. And um, and she is just, she's a, an advocate and... Um, She's just an inspiration. There's just so much pure goodness that comes out of her. Um, yeah. So, you know, Brene Brown and, you know, people like that, that just have yeah. so much. I mean, I love um, that people like Laverne Cox who really live their truth. I mean, talk about courage. I do think that takes a tremendous amount of courage. And to have accomplished what she's accomplished so far being a trans woman of color is, yeah. is remarkable. So yeah, Absolutely. she inspires me. That's awesome. So kind of wrapping it up, I'll end with an easy question. <laughs> Not, uh, what do you wish for yourself and what do you wish for others? Um, so right now, um, for myself, I wish good health and less pain because I had a car accident in 2019, right, right before my dad passed and um, it kind of messed me up. And so I'm dealing with a lot of the after effects of that. So I want to be pain-free. I want to be able to go for walks. I want to be able to travel and go on a hike and do things because um, it's not just COVID. It's been my physical condition these past couple of years that have really, really limited me to not being able to do any of that. And um, so I wish for myself um, that I can continue to do my business and feel good and, um, and continue to find um, inspiring things to be able to, um, inspiring people and organizations and businesses to be able to continue to share their stories and help them communicate. And then for others, God, I have seen so much, we've all seen so much ugliness and so much hate and so much 
scorn. And I just wish people could just be nice and be kind and like take a breath or a moment or count to 10 before they put that hateful, spiteful comment up on Facebook. Yes. You know, like I put something for sale on the Facebook marketplace and I got so many hateful comments about, about um, what, putting that up there. And it was like ridiculous. It was a stupid post on Facebook marketplace that I just took it down because I just, you know what? There was just no reason for it. There's oh, no cause. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not even talking politics and we're not talking anti-vaccine yeah. and anything like that. We're talking a stupid toaster oven. Yeah, like, that's oh my bizarre. God. There's a lot and of rage. You, and you want to say to the person, hey, you're entitled to your feeling, but do you really have to? Let? So anyway, I just think people need yeah. to be kind, be yep. nice and think about the impact of their words and their actions on other people. Yeah. No matter what the scenario, like whether yeah. it's, yeah. Well, I think that's a great ending point and a thank great you. message. Debbie, you know thank that you I so love much. You. I right back at you. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you being so generous and sharing of yourself and your story and doing this. So thank you so much. Thank you, sweetheart. I hope to see you very, very soon. In person. That'd yes. be awesome. Yes, honey. Thank thanks you. again. Have a great day. Go you Eagles. Too. Yes. Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor, Roseanne Griffiths, the talented musician, Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L. L-I-F-E at gmail.com.